Changing healthcare starts with a dream. Better care, smarter care, and healthier people. Listen weekly as Dr. Gregory Goodman interviews today's most innovative MDs as they transform healthcare and share their journey from white coat to business suit, highlighting lessons learned and golden prescriptions for your success. Join us today and get your doctor-recommended dose of MD innovation. So this is Dr. Greg Goodman on The Modern MD. I'm really excited today. We've got Dr. Sashin Jain, who's the Chief Medical Officer at Caremore Health System, an innovative health delivery plan and subsidiary of Anthem. Prior to joining Caremore, Dr. Jain was the Chief Medical Information Officer at Merck, where he developed global partnerships to leverage data to improve patient health. From 2009 to 2011, Dr. Jane pursued government service at the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, where he was the senior advisor to the administrator of the Center of Medicare and Medicaid, CMS, and helped launch the Center of Medicare and Medicaid Innovation, CMMI. He also served as the special assistant to the National Coordinator for Health Information Technology at the Office of the National Coordinator for Health Information Technology, supporting the agency's implementation of the high-tech provisions of the Recovery Act and Meaningful Use. He's board certified in internal medicine and is the co-founder and co-editor-in-chief of the Journal of Delivery Science and Innovation. Sashin, welcome to The Modern MD. It's, it's an absolute honor and privilege to have you on the show. Thanks so much, Greg. It's, uh, it's an honor for me to be here. So I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about you personally in your journey as a physician innovator. I've always been interested in questions about how we can use medical training and uh, skills that you, you gain as a physician to actually improve care on a larger level. You know, it always occurred to me that, you know, kind of the care of uh, individual patients would be a very satisfying career, but much of my life would be spent uh, trying to fix and patch problems that were actually more systemic. I grew up with a physician father, and I would, you know, ask questions about, you know, why do we have so many uninsured people, and why is quality of healthcare uh, so poorly, you know, so poor, and and why is healthcare so poorly coordinated? And you know, in the course of kind of asking questions like that, I realized I have a deep passion for healthcare policy, and then, you know, frankly, also the business of medicine, and and actually how to improve it. So uh, that's that's my story. That's incredible, and it was uh, it's really cool that you're thinking, you know, at a much bigger picture and much bigger level. Sounds like at a pretty young age. So I'd love to start off the show with a success quote. Do you have a quote that's important to you, or something that you live by that you'd like to share? Yeah, yeah, I would say that you know, for me, you know, ultimately, I think I wouldn't say it's a quote, but I would say that it's maybe a life philosophy. You know, I think ultimately, you know, our relationships with, you know, the people in our lives are, are are sacred. And that to me is what drives, you know, kind of how I operate within, you know, a clinical setting. It's also a function of how I live in my personal life and also how I kind of operate in the work, workplace. And so, you know, I think that gives you probably a window into you know, how I think about the, the work that's ahead of us within the healthcare uh, arena. That's awesome. I, I think it really does come down to those you know, personal relationships and connections. And that's really wonderful. So I'd love to shift. I know you touched on it. You, you had a really kind of interesting journey is what I'm terming the white coat to business suit. Could you tell us a little bit more about 
maybe your mindset and transitioning from your maybe medical school, you know, going into CMS and then into the pharmaceutical world and, you know, kind of where you are at, at Caremore and how you made that transition and maybe what some of your thoughts were as you went along the journey? Yeah, and Greg, and Greg I, I would actually say that it's not a transition. I think it's, it's you're wearing both. Just the question is whether the white coat is on the outside or the inside. Um, and, you know, for me, I think my clinical training and my, my work as a clinician ends up being truly informative, you know, of what I do in, in, in sort of what you call kind of the business suit and, and frankly, vice versa. I think, you know, for years, there was a, a concept that the business of medicine and the clinical practice of medicine were independent of each other. And it became very, you know, kind of clear to me, like you said, at an early age, that that was not the case, that they were, in fact, complementary and, and interdependent. And so, you know, I've, I've spent much of my career trying to bridge, you know, policy and clinical medicine and, you know, kind of more recently, clinical medicine and business. Uh, because I do see, you know, kind of business as a means of actually driving significant healthcare improvement. And so, you know, I've worked now in the pharmaceutical industry. I've worked in government. Uh, I've worked uh, now in a in a in a sort of a payer and delivery system environment. I've worked in the VA. And so I would, you know, some would say that I can't I can't keep a job. The, you know, my 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 own perspective is that, you know, I think those. Different experiences have actually created, for me, a complementary set of views that allow me to kind of see the bigger picture and allow me to see, you know, opportunities for collaboration that, you know, others, you know, might not be able to see. So that, that to me, has been the real gift of my career is to have those different experiences and to be able to see across those different connection points. That's really incredible. And what do you think, you know, if, if you're maybe an early stage or early career physician or even a medical student, you know, interested in the bigger picture, what would be some of your advice as to maybe how to go about that or how, how to think about that transition and, you know, how to incorporate, to your point, the, the white coat and the business suit and, and, and kind of play in both spaces? Well, well, for one thing I would say is to always, you know, kind of maintain a primary identity as a physician. And, you know, uh, I get, you know, asked for advice from time to time, you know, by medical students and residents who, you know, who say, you know, if, if they're in medical school, they say, should I go on to finish a residency? they're in residency, they say, you know, should I continue to do clinical practice if I'm going to pursue a career as an entrepreneur, as an innovator? And, you know, for me, these are kind of non-negotiables. You know, you have to finish your residency. You have to continue to see practice, see patients, because I think it's those real-world experiences that really that ground us. I think, you know, there have been a few phases in my career where I you know, haven't continuously seen patients, one, of, one, one time of which was when I was in the government. And it's amazing how quickly you can lose sight of the realities of what's happening in the front lines of care delivery. And it's those realities that are going to give you the insights that are, that'll enable us to actually truly improve care. Right now, I'm sort of itching because I haven't seen a patient in about seven months because I've you know, transitioned to my role at CareMore, and I don't have a California medical license right now. And it's, it really bothers me because so much of my work is really at the interface of clinical medicine and this large organization that's really focused on improving clinical care through a very innovative structure. And I'm able to kind of operate on the, you know, sort of, you know, from, you know, my office, but I'm not able to kind of get really knee deep into the front lines of care delivery in the way that I always like to. Fortunately, my license came through a few weeks ago, and I'm just now going through the you know, kind of painful process of getting credentialed at the various hospitals that we work at. But, 
Um, I think it's that it's that marriage that's really important. And um, too often, you know, people treat these things as sequential, and I think that that's a mistake. That's incredible advice, and and I think it is a really special honor and privilege that we have as physicians to touch the patient and being able to do that and, and continue to do that. I think is really important. I'm going to shift into our idea to venture. I know you recently joined CareMore. I'd love to hear kind of your big vision and, and what you're excited about and, you know, what the future is at CareMore. Well, I, you know, I think CareMore, I first got exposed to CareMore when I was working in, in government, when we were launching the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Innovation. And there was this buzz that kind of existed in the, in, in the halls of the Humphrey Building, which is where HHS is headquartered, where people were asking you know, things about what is this CareMore organization? They're achieving tremendous financial outcomes or they have even better clinical outcomes. You know, how do they do it? And that always that kind of piqued my curiosity and I kind of, you know, lost sight of them for a while. And then when I got a call to come here as chief medical officer, I had never had any ambitions to come out here to California, but had to check it out. And what I saw here was really a vision for the future of healthcare, which is, you know, highly integrated clinical practice that kind of links primary care with specialized chronic disease management programs for the most common chronic diseases of the elderly, you know, an an approach to inpatient medicine that, you know, doesn't kind of chunk out, you know, the inpatient stay and post-discharge follow-up and the rehab stay. We have an extensivist model where our physicians will see patients in the hospital, follow them into the you know, the sniff afterwards, and then we'll also see them in post-discharge follow-up. So we own the entire acute episode of care. You know, we have the view of the confident generalist so that generalists are are owning clinical problems that we otherwise in, in kind of a fee-for-service environment would farm out to specialists. And so I think that there's a, more than that, you know, what I found was a culture of innovation. Because we are both a health plan as well as a delivery system, you know, we're able to create unity where it, it otherwise doesn't exist. And mo- many people think of kind of capitation as, you know, kind of, you know, tying your hands. We view, you know, capitation or risk, as other people kind of refer to it, as freedom. Mm-hmm. It enables us to do what we know will take great care of patients. One of the challenges with many risk-based models of care is, you know, they're based on the Medicare, you know, fee-for-service infrastructure. And so if there's not a, you know, fee-for-service payment code or, you know, you don't get reimbursed for it, so it doesn't get done. And, you know, I I think that that actually kind of ties the hands of clinicians and and kind of limits what we're able to do. I think, you know, CareMore exists in a place where if we want to pay for travel for a patient to come to our care centers, we can do that. If, you know, a patient needs a particular kind of service that doesn't exist within a fee-for-service infrastructure, we can deliver it because we have the freedom to do it and because we know it's the right thing to do. And at the end of the day, that old saying, culture eats strategy, we have a culture of caring for our members. And that's been, you know, the reason that I think Care More has really made a difference in the lives of the over 100,000 patients it, it serves. It's really incredible. And, you know, it sounds with the extensivist model and you know, some of the things that you're even doing, you know, it sounds with like gap services, with transportation, you're really truly helping the patient and kind of covering some of those things that, you know, in a fee-for-service world wouldn't normally be covered. I love if you'd share, I, I know you've only recently been there, but what may be a large you know, success lesson or, you know, people looking at maybe the value-based space could take from some of the work you're doing and, you know, apply it in, in their system? Yeah, that, that's a great question, Craig. And I'll say 
the, re- the advice I'd give to other systems is aspire to be loved. And that, I think, is something that is that's a little bit off the wall, but I'll, I'll say a little bit more about what I mean. I have a practice here where, I, where I'll meet with 10 members every other week over lunch to talk about their experience as, as Care More members. And we'll sit down and we'll talk about it. And, you know, there's this amazing experience that I've had, which is these people truly love Care More. And I, I can't imagine going to another health plan in any other part of the country where, you know, people really love their, their health plan. It's because we're not just health plans. We're a health plan, we're a delivery system, and we are high touch and really an important part of the lives of the patients that we serve. And so I would say it is not impossible for healthcare organizations, whether it's hospitals, doctor's offices, or health plans, to be loved. And I would say aspire to be loved. That's absolutely incredible. I love it. And it, it sounds like you guys truly are loved by your patients, you know, creating that really special, you know, five-star service, which I think is where healthcare is going, you know, really you know, taking care of the patient and, you know, doing what's best for them. So I'd love to shift to kind of our last section which is not our typical hospital round. So these are business rounds. Sashin, what is the best life advice you've ever been given? So I would say it's probably, you know, never get too high and never get too low. Another way of saying that is, you know, something that Joe Torre used to say to the Yankees, which is, you know, you're never as good as uh, you think you are and you're never as bad as you think you are. I think, you know, the human mind is sort of prone to, to these wild swings. And, you know, I think it's really important to kind of have a steadiness you know, to recognize that everything is, is really a marathon and to, to operate accordingly. That's, that's sort of one, one big uh, I think theme that, that I, I kind of try to encourage my trainees and, and members of my team as, as I work with them. I love that. It's really great, you know, how you approach maybe life in general. That's awesome. So I'd love to um, also stick with kind of that concept. One of the things that I've studied with a lot of, you know, physician innovators or successful folks like yourself is most of them have daily success habits or routines. Do you have something that you do on a daily basis that you'd be willing to share, you know, or how maybe you approach your day to help you achieve the results you've, uh, you've gotten? Yeah, I would say, you know, one of the things I, I do is I, I really try to keep as much as possible a, a running list of, of my commitments. You know, every time you meet with someone, every time you're on a call, every time you're, you're really doing anything, you know, you're making commitments to people. And I think one of the most important things you can do is is to really kind of keep your commitments. And uh, that's something that I've aspired to do. And it comes from a place of, you know, realizing at an early age when I was maybe 19 or 20, you know, kind of in college, you would, you, you would almost do the opposite, right? You would kind of say, I'll do this, I'll do that. And, you, you know, you quickly realize that the, the impression that that, that that leaves and and that impression is hard, you know, hard to shake. And so I think, you know, it's really, really important to kind of keep your commitments to people beginning to end. The second sort of, I would say, success habit is I, I use writing as kind of a mode of, of reflection on what I'm doing and what I'm thinking. Sometimes it's very hard to make sense of the world we live in until you actually give, you know, give yourself some focus time to stop and actually think about it. And so I do take a little bit of time, you know, uh, whether it's you know, sort of during travel or you know, on the weekends to kind of just jot some thoughts down. And I usually write it for an external audience. Because it helps, you know, it, it it gives it the discipline that it needs to to be, you know, kind of truly meaningful and and to kind of allow me to kind of pull the learnings that I'm supposed to. So, you know, I, I've I've written about you know things I've seen in clinical practice. I've written about things that experiences I've had with patients, and then you know also kind of more general topics like you know how credit is assigned when we work together. And I think that that 
that helps keep you honest if you're sort of constantly engaged in reflective practice. And one of the challenges, I think, as we kind of get busier and busier and more ambitious about what we can do to kind of change healthcare is that that time sometimes goes away. And so, you know, I think, you know, saving space for reflection, I think is pretty important. Thank you so much. And thanks for for being on our show. We really appreciate it. And you committing to, to sharing your journeys. The last kind of question, and this I think is a big topic and something I'm excited to hear. What do you think are some of the biggest healthcare trends in the future? And what are you most excited about in, in healthcare right now? Yeah, so I would say it's kind of three things. I would say, number one, I'm, I'm really excited about the fact that we're not arguing about what the problem is anymore. <laughs> you know, 20, 20, 25 years ago, if you were to have a conversation about, you know, healthcare quality, you'd be getting into a huge debate about whether it was good or bad. I remember those debates. I think we are finally coming around to the view that, you know, we can do better in terms of the efficiency, the effectiveness, the safety, the timeliness, you know, all those dimensions of quality that really matter, we're able to kind of get there, you know, in terms of a common common definition, which allows us to focus on actually solving the problem as opposed to defining the problem. I'd say the second thing is that we finally have some improvements in our policy infrastructure that actually enable us to, you know, push forward solutions. So, you know, in so many areas, we used to say that, you know, information technology was going to be kind of a key enabler that, you know, didn't exist. You know, we now have the High Tech Act, and however imperfect they are, we do have EHR systems, you know, really across American healthcare. And then, you know, we also have the Affordable Care Act, which has solved many of the access problems that we previously suffered from. It hasn't been without its bumps. I, I want to acknowledge that, but, I, you know, nothing great has ever happened without bumps. And then, you know, we also have the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Innovation, which I was proud to work on, which is creating, you know, new payment and delivery models that can really kind of transform our payment system to, to value-based care. And then the third piece and, you know, is that we actually have new and better talent entering the healthcare industry. You know, you've got great technologists. You've got, you know, sort of young people who are very idealistic about kind of transforming healthcare. And it, and it used to be that the idealism would sort of start in med school and it would kind of get quickly drained out by your third or fourth year of med school. And that, that's, that, there's, you know, the sort of sociologists call ethical erosion. We now have, you know, kind of a group of real optimists who are staying optimistic because they see the change happening before their eyes. I will tell you, you know, just to sort of kind of round it out a little bit, I, I do sometimes worry that we're not focused on the biggest problems, you know, the rush towards apps and startups and, you know, kind of innovation centers, I think sometimes makes me feel like, you know, we're, we're, we're focused, you know, too much on activity and not enough on kind of outcomes. And I, and, and for that reason, I sometimes say we're a little bit living in, you know, a time where we have an innovation bubble that, you know, is kind of poised to burst. That said, I, I you know, on balance, I am, I'm kind of truly optimistic that healthcare can change, will change, and is changing, you know, kind of before our eyes. You know, it's one of these things where you just have to look back after, you know, after a certain amount of time and say, wow, things are really different. It's, it's like uh, watching one of those slow motion uh, movies that you can, you can kind of make. So, you know, on balance, I'm, I'm very optimistic, but I think those three factors, you know, the new policy environment, the common definition of problems, and the, some of the new talent entering the industry is really, you know, gives, gives me a, a lot of hope. Thank you so much. So Dr. Sashin Jane, it was an absolute honor and privilege. You are a true visionary in healthcare, doing some incredible work. Thank you so much for sharing your journey and some of your insights. And, and we really honor and appreciate your time at the Modern MD. 
Terrific. Thank you so much, Craig. Really uh, great to be here. Thank you so much for joining me today on The Modern MD. Head to themodernmd.com to get links and recaps of every show and so much more. Dose up and like The Modern MD Facebook page.